0: to another powerful episode of I Am The Knights. We're looking at episode 10 of season two, so we're halfway through season two, and this is our 69th episode. And uh, when I say powerful, I mean powerful, because this week, finally, we get the animated debut of Bane. And with me to talk about it, as always, is someone who is not the Bane of my life, Adam Ray.
1: I am not the bane of his life, but I am just as powerful. Always a pleasure to be talking about Batman the Animated Series. And uh, as we enter this episode, we had a very unique preamble that I tried my best not to mire my opinions of it, but still ended up having some takeaways and thoughts about the episode as it was. you want to go into that before we talk about the episode proper?
0: Yeah, because obviously it's amazing how years can change perspectives. Remember, this was 1994. And when I first saw this episode, it was, I think, approaching the end of the whole Nightfall saga, which divided comics fans right down the middle. There were so many who hated it because of uh, the fact that Batman was beaten, because of Azrael taking over as a meaner, darker, a killer Batman. And everyone just in their droves started buying the Batman Adventures, the comics based on and inspired by this series. And people were saying how this was so much better as a Batman product than the actual Batman and Detective Comics of the era. Wow, that's true. The fans who hated the whole night. Obviously, I loved both, and I love my Batman dark and gritty. So when Bane made this appearance in this episode, I thought back then that they didn't do him justice. But looking back, and how they've managed to do it in one episode while still tying and semi-adapting his first appearances in Batman Nightfall, And the quality of the acting and the script and some lines of dialogue, which really made me think, well, actually, no, for new readers, especially younger audiences, they could not have done Bane any differently. And it's still infinitely superior to the Bane we got in Batman and Robin. But the least said about that film, the better. So (laughs) I went in thinking, I don't remember liking this episode, but uh, as I said, when the titles rolled, I have completely changed my mind.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that and you came away with a positive stance. Overall, there are no weak episodes of this show. However, I do feel, now that you've said it, I'm willing to forgive it for the reasons you've laid out. But I do feel this episode is a little bit tangential and not quite up to the standard as some of the others, in my opinion. But it is still very strong and I'm willing to actually look past it now for the reasons you just talked about. But I will go into some of my own opinions about it. But yeah, um... Yeah, it's interesting that you had that negative take on it because in the moment I probably thought you presumed, oh, it's nightfall, but it's light, it's not getting any of the matter, it's not quite as good, and dismissed it, so you're willing to change your mind on it, having watched it later. Yeah, looking at it as a dramatic production to last 20 minutes for a family
0: audience, I actually now think that it's actually a bit of a masterpiece.
1: And that's a reasonable thing to... Sort of say, because now when you give it the context of it being like family oriented and a condensed, much lighter mm. take on the Bane origin story, yes, that's exactly what it needed to do, and it served its role pretty well. So for that, I'm more than willing to forgive it. If there's just a few things that, like, just rose some question marks in my head, just no, in terms of some of the story, say it, it's... because
0: it's probably exactly what I thought the first time I watched it.
1: I'm. Very aware that the show needs to be a light for a family audience despite mm-hmm. some of the dark subject matter that we handle in the show. But um the abundance of puns, especially from Batman, was a little bit off-putting. Later Gator, as he's there in, yeah. the, in the in the in the prison cell. Yeah. And um uh nice hanging with you to to Robin from the insidious Stacey lady to when mm-hmm. Robin's hung up in that death trap. Mm-hmm. Um it makes light of an originally very dark story that I found just a little bit disconcerting, and then there's also Bane himself which I find quite... like they they very much make him much lighter and very grandiose and overconfident in his skills, but I was always aware that Bane was never like that. Bane was cold and calculating and surgical in his approaches, he never showboated, he never claimed to be all-powerful, but we get a lot of that from him here, so it's a much more self-involved take than we'd normally get in the original comics of the original uh, Nightfall story.
0: Agreed to a certain point, Um, because again, because I am just a mad bat nerd, um, up until the point he defeats Batman in the comics, we're talking the original source material here, he wasn't, because I still sensed some respect and a modicum of fear which he wanted to um, overcome when he took on the original the real Bruce Wayne Batman but once he'd done that he did start to believe his own press he thought he was undefeatable and that was his downfall when Jean-Paul Valley Azrael became Batman and literally handed him his backside in a way not too dissimilar to the way the real Batman does in this so again this is in got both sides of the main character and both sides of Batman, so um, it worked quite well.
1: Yeah, I'd say it worked quite well as well for that reasons. And again, there are no weak episodes of this of this series. All of them have strengths in their own merits. Uh, yeah, it's the lightest way they could have possibly told yeah. the Bane origin story mm-hmm. with enough callbacks, like him starting out all cold and calcare and going into the grandiosity and him nearly doing the iconic snap over the knee yes. move. We nearly got that, which was which was a very nice visual callback that I think has to be put in any time Banes on screen almost more or, less, yeah. more or less except for whatever that thing was in that movie we're not going to talk about yeah <laughs> that's a good way to sum it up right that whatever that thing was in that Amazing. movie we're not going to talk about
0: well said very very well said small
1: point of order i am yeah. willing to forgive batman and robin's opening scene the first t- time when they take down mr freeze in the museum and then once he's at once oh yeah they that whole
0: sequence is fantastic it's great action and that, that music is beautiful by alien Goldentfall. I yeah.
1: agree. But then um it cuts away to some place and then the movie ends for me personally. Agreed. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> back onto some universally agreed good Batman media. Um one thing I will say is that they the way that they made Bane much lighter in this show gave them a lot of elements of fun. Uh I'll talk a little bit in, in greater detail as we go through the rest of the plot of the episode, mm-hmm. but um, there are some visual callbacks in some of the action sequences that I really yes. want to sort of emphasize, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves as we wanted to talk about the uh, the overall episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I do want to mention the dialogue, the script uh, and the writing. Again, this was written by Mitch Bryan, someone new to the series. And I've got to doff my hat to him and give him props because he did some things which I, I don't remember seeing first time around. And obviously beautifully directed by Kevin Altieri, one of the mainstays of the show. Now, what I need to talk about, I mean, I agree about the quips and the puns. Obviously someone not quite used to writing for Batman because hes that's more lines Dick Grayson should have said. I completely agree with you 100%. But I also felt that Bane himself with one line was the true Bane because he said, Batman, I've taken what you... Um, love most or want to protect the most or will miss the most or should that be whom yeah so this is an educated man an yes. intelligent man and that's something that Bane was which people knock Tom Hardy for which I think he was perfect and which as you said that thing in Batman and Robbins wasn't <laughs> no 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 this is that 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 bit of line and the fight scenes between him and Batman Batman went for the strength moves went for the punches at first but then when he realised they weren't working, switched to judo and wrestling to use Bain's own strength and weight against him. Um, yeah. That to me was magic.
1: The fighting was what I wanted to really emphasize that I was mentioning just a second ago. It's something about again, I'm very grateful to the uh the Andrea Romano's vocal coaching and oh, casting yeah. choices, and we'll right. get to that when we get to the actor, about keeping him South American or of yes. or, or Hispanic. Yeah. In his accent, that's something that I think is incredibly important to characterizing a comic book Bane. We're looking, we're willing to look past Tom Hardy's performance because there's still the uh, the elegance and eloquence of a British villain, despite how muffled he may sound.
0: And that's how Danny O'Neill wrote him
1: exactly. But that's but that's also the case. Mm. Uh, he was meant to be highly lucrative and intelligent, yeah, yeah. and the accent gives him a, sh- a show of his locale, which is which makes total sense given the context of the character Absolutely. in the comics when you're talking about how Batman changed his fighting style, there's something about that accent and the style of mask that made me see lots of lucha callbacks in the fighting. Absolutely. Because there were so many, like, well, because um, as you, Melissa, may not know, my father and I are uh, die-hard fans of the WWE. We haven't watched it in quite some time, but we still know it have great, yeah. great respect and great love. So those great head scissor things that Batman tries to do mm-hmm. to try and pull him down, we call those Hurricane runners because yeah. that's the name Very of the wrestling move. Very heavy stereo. It's a classic wrestling move, and there was a moment where Bane threw Batman across what was clearly metal railings, but they bounced back like wrestling yeah. ring ropes. Yeah, which is a Bit of suspension of disbelief that I'm willing to look past, yeah. but still that moment just really emphasised that sort of like tone to me, which is, I don't know if it's appropriation or if it's just really appropriate for the character and the villain that they're dealing with. I'm
0: so glad you brought that up because obviously, yeah, I'm from that era and it's actually said that Bane was inspired by the Master Luchadors. Yeah. And this episode was a slight tongue-in-cheek tribute to wrestling and master jiddles as well they said that when this episode came out and i heard those in stuff like starburst magazine because obviously internet was still baby form yes
1: you had to wait for aol and dial up right um if that if that wow
0: (laughs) but who needs the internet when you've got better than the animated series
1: yeah it's great fun entertainment for the whole family even when it adapts originally very stock dog stories it is now officially fun for the whole family
0: absolutely and it's it's mainly down to the voice acting and the writing um and mitch Bryan. even though there were some off notes with batman's personality the rest of the episode and bane's was pretty much spot on And the fact we see rupert thorne and Candice and all the uh rogues gallery as well trying to uh end batman once a all, and having it completely go against them is always a lovely thing to see
1: yes yeah, it's just very satisfying when a consistent villain like that gets their uh they're once served back to them. And yeah, we can count on a new writer trying to flex their chops and trying to get familiar with these characters that we've seen on screen for a while. It's uh, it's satisfying to see that all sort of nicely circled together.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about, um, obviously, clearly a wonderful physical threat for Batman and What I did love, and this is where it did mirror Nightfall very well, is he had to prove himself against someone who even Batman had trouble with physically before in taking down Killer Croc. That's actually lifted straight out of the original Nightfall.
1: Yeah, that was a nice touch that I honestly um, didn't really uh, realise and remember until it was put on screen again. But yeah, there's a welcome callback there, so we can see that there's... Like respect and reverence to the original material where this character first showed up so it makes sense that he would want to prove himself but he used this in a different manner this time he used it as a way to sort of surveil batman which is a great way to sort of condense down that rationality and bring it back to the more cold and calculating and methodical bane which i quite like yeah, the real Bane, let's yeah.
0: say. Yeah. But you said earlier that um, there were some takeaways and some callbacks that you'd spotted um, for other things. So let, let's hear about those.
1: Uh, this may be just the, uh, the inexperience of the newer writer, which I'm willing to forgive, but I find it a little strange that there's a very long take towards um, repairing and restoring the Batmobile after Bane literally physically mows it down and destroys it. I find that a little strange that the countermeasures of the Batonville didn't really kick in there. That there wasn't any sort of defense mechanisms, flares, tasing, flying away, self-destruct, something like that that would have deterred Bane from getting to that level of destruction. That's actually a very, very good point.
0: Hmm. The only way I can maybe explain it, and even that to stretch, is that he didn't try to break into it i know that the countermeasures are mainly there for people trying to steal it because behind the wheel of that thing you are behind the wheel of a weapon of mass destruction yeah but for pummeling it and knocking it out i mean say for example someone skids off the road and crashes into the batmobile accidentally um batman doesn't really want to injure or hurt that driver who might have already fainted at the wheel or whatever else anyway so i think that The countermeasures for the Batman are literally for people trying to steal it. Okay. Or, like you said, it's the inexperience of the writer, but it's more for effect because we've seen bullets bounce off that thing and almost dynamite bounce off it. So I think it was just there to show how terrifyingly strong Bane is.
1: Yeah, if it was used for that that purpose, I can forgive it because... That's a very effective device just to see wow yeah. something we usually associate as indestructible as yeah literally flattened and we have an extended understand. uh sequence of robin repairing it even though there was a very wholesome episode of uh, just to their mechanic
0: yes and what a great episode that was i love that one
1: that one was good so which made me sort of again question why we got, saw such extensive damage handled by robin but i suppose they maybe just needed a quick turnaround on it, so I'm willing to forgive it for that reason. But mm. it's not great that we had to put our thoughts into the episode when there's when there's yeah. very easily like half a sentence of dialogue to explain such things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, at least we got to see Alfred. We did get to see Alfred. We haven't seen Alfred in a
0: while. Far we? too long. It feels like far too long. And he was at his best. And again, I've got to give kudos to the animators because the scene where they show Bane become Bane for the first time with the uh. <clears throat> medical experiments oh. in prison um, the the acting of the characters and the small gasps of Ephraim Zimbalist Jr and, um, and the wonderful Lauren Esther as Robin when they watch that scene is great but I just love because again this is so my era and it just takes me right back the nostalgia of videotape and audio cassettes where Robin's recording dialogue and stuff on rooftops and I know I look through things with nostalgia tinted glasses far too
1: often. <laughs> but then again, there's it's fine to have nostalgia for that stuff because that was an old way of making media and doing things. But there's something very old world detective about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's very easy for someone to just plant like a bug this like the size of like a thimble behind a picture frame and just get all the information you need, as opposed to like someone doing, and I know, can't believe I'm using this analogy, the montage of Tommy Wiseau in the room setting up the tape recorder oh, God, just, to bug the phone. You don't even know how yeah. bad that film is. You just had to say Tommy Wiseau. The two scenes I've seen of that film were enough. But still, there. Are, but still, there's a moment where he, in that movie, he suspects mm. his wife is being unfaithful. Mm-hmm. His, his future wife is being unfaithful. Mm. Yes, that was a line from dialogue. And he puts a tape recorder on the phone to listen to phone calls. But there's an extended shot of like three plus minutes where you see Tommy Wazo's character fumbling to set this up together and we're like, why do we need to see this? Why do we need to see this? Yeah. But still, the point yeah. that I'm getting at here <laughs> is that the analog ropey tech to subterfuge and gain information is very timeless and very detective. And it's great to see it used here so well because again, the animated series has this weird uncertain place in space time where it's yes. like the 40s or the 90s so we get all of that kind of tech with old-timey fashion sense
0: yeah brilliantly said and i'm I'm glad you said that actually because obviously one of the beautiful things about making this show are comments we get from listeners and little messages we get online to be listening to the show and I, I was chatting to a, a few people uh, including the, our, our new friend and uh uh, fellow podcaster Brett Scott and others when they talk about watching this series with their kids and oh, I wish I'd remembered who it was but one of them said that watching with the kids was wonderful because they said that it's great seeing Batman when he first started and I know it's when he first started because they've got all this strange um, machines that we don't have anymore And that to me thought,
1: well, hang on, that actually is brilliant. That's a really good way to think about it. That's the way kids think. And I just thought that was brilliant. Because I do remember seeing an old advert by Sony where it's this one really cool looking dude with a Sony t-shirt covered in a bunch of gadgets. Yeah. And of the 80s or the 90s, whenever that advert was made, he was surrounded by cutting edge tech. But the first comment on it was on a Facebook post saying, uh, the first comment was, all of these items are now in your pocket. Yeah. And that's how far technology's grown in all of those years. So, yeah, a little kid saying, look at all of those old gadgets. That's how he had it when he first started, because he doesn't need all that stuff anymore. Yeah. That's that's, that's actually really adorable. Only a little kid with things like that. Yeah. How cool is that? That is really cool. I really like that. And well, that, that does help
0: explain the, the appeal of this show, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, because that adds to the overall level of timelessness, because it's timeless even within the context of Batman. Yeah. We get the sense that sure, maybe he is just starting things out and he's using old tech because that's all he can get his hands on when enterprises, and then he'll eventually level up into the future tech of like your Justice League show or something. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll see that as the series progresses because there was a massive gap between. Seasons
0: two and then the, the final seasons of the show. And obviously that's shown in the fact that Laura Nesta grows up and uh, Robin becomes Nightwing. And we get to meet Tim Drake and uh, the rest of the Bat family are all at one crime fighting team. So let's see what happens. Because those episodes I will be seeing for the first time with you. Because we never got them in the UK. Or not, not at least when um, I was watching the show. So looking forward to that.
1: Very exciting. Now...
0: We've talked about, obviously, Ephraim Zimbliss Jr. Kevin Conroy is always great, even with Strange Dialogue and Lauren Esther. But now we have to turn to the villain of the piece. We obviously talked about um, Boss Thorne and Candice in previous episodes, but we have to talk about Bane. Now, as soon as I saw the closing credits and the name of Henry Silver, my mind flashed because, being of my age, you could not watch any action film or cop movie, particularly anything involving the mafia and gangsters without knowing the name, Henry Silver, the actor who played Bane. Because honestly, growing up, I don't think there was any film of that genre he wasn't in. Wow, that prolific. He's one of those guys who's literally, it's a bit of a shame because for most of his career, he was typecast as a mafiosi and as a gangster. But let's look at the films he's been in. I mean, you're going to, plots he was in the original oceans 11 with the brat pack with sinatra with um the whole team
1: oh wow back in back in the 50s or something yeah
0: that far back wow absolutely cannonball run 2 um night the Outer Limits and then obviously he did try to diversify he played different kind of characters he was a starring uh uh actor in, in Johnny Cool playing Salvatore Giordano again a gangster but he was the lead role in that but he's been the Manchurian candidate Sharkey's machine he was the corrupt FBI agent in Steven Seagal's first movie Above the Law then he turned to comedy Fella, and uh more serious roles like The Hills Run Red but um to me what what made him special was the fact he went f- and he always played obviously Latino type characters. Obviously, from our background, that's important to see Italians and Spanish based. He had a massive career in Europe because of that. He made lots of films in Italy and Spain, and he was a hot commodity. Like I said, I can't remember a film he wasn't in when I was growing up. But to me, the fact that when they made the George Clooney remake of Oceans 11 he's actually in it too. He's a spectator at the boxing match as well. He actually did appear in the remake as well. One of the very few actors from the original who did. And that to me is a sign of respect to one of the great character actors who's sadly no longer with us. But I mean, what a what a pedigree, what a resume to have.
1: Ooh, truly, yeah. That's uh, quite, ex- quite a spread in the spectacle, which makes total sense that they would want someone of his Wide acting caliber, mm. but also of the right ethnicity yes. to be able to bring someone with that level of grandiose seriousness as Bane to life. Inspired casting yet again. I'm I'm astounded that they could get someone that that experienced for yeah. this kind of role. Absolutely. Um, you'd you'd know for sure. We do we see Bane again in in yes. some of the series? Oh yeah, absolutely. Bane's a character you can't keep down. Yeah, because I think as of at present the only like serious villain of the, bat, uh, the Bat-Rose Gallery that we only see as a one and done is a one-and-done is Doctor Strange, Hugo Strange. Yeah,
0: which is wrong because he's massive.
1: Yeah, but um, in any case, it's great to see that we'll, we'll hopefully get him back in likely with this uh, very strong casting choice behind him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the whole Latina thing because obviously... You could tell when someone puts that kind of an accent on. This was so spot on and naturalistic that it had to be a voice actor of that calibre to portray this role, I think.
1: Yeah, and did it wonderful justice because it wasn't just the strength of the accent and the sincerity of the accent. Mm-hmm. It was also the the grizzled roughness yeah. of what the character's been through that the character just has, has to have, but still the level of intelligence behind it. You needed someone with layer with real layers and sincerity to be able to put this kind of performance forward and he did perfectly yeah from the rage to the
0: quiet moments to the psychotic intelligence of the character i think the the actor henry silver did a wonderful wonderful job
1: truly i agree completely
0: so that was Bane the first appearance of one of Batman's brilliant more recent enemies but having said that he's been around for over 30 years now but obviously I was there on the ground floor when he was first introduced but um, we have to then talk about some of your other takeaways and your goods bads and uglies of Bane by Mitch Bryan and directed by Kevin Altieri.
1: I'll admit it was uh, still pretty strong and I was quite happy with it I would say I think a really strong moment that was visually there mm. was the physically imposing figure of Bane. We That's saw him tower over all the people coming off of that plane. Yeah. We saw him uh, frighten the air Stewardess and make the car suspension buckle under him. So that was a really pleasant thing to see that like something that visually striking was there from the beginning. So we know that he's a serious threat right from the opening moments of the episode.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um strong visual storytelling yes very such which is something that this show has always excelled at and I have to admit that I remember not liking this episode very much I mean I never hated it I don't think I've ever seen an episode of this show that I didn't at least think yeah that was okay but I've actually come into this now and watching it again as a more seasoned viewer and obviously now we're reviewers and critics um, I have to see things through a slightly different lens and looking at a through the lens of a family show, new viewers being introduced to this character for the first time, I actually have to think, apart from a few character moments, and you're quite right, Batman was too Dick Grayson in this. Mm-hmm. Apart from those little things, I actually think this episode was actually pretty strong.
1: It really was. It was. There were moments that left things a little confused, but we're willing to look past them for the strength of the episode overall. Absolutely. Right, so that was Bane. Um, And again,
0: you're not the Bane of my existence. You're actually one of the sunshines of my life. So, Adam Ray, let's tell the world where they can bask in your radiance.
1: I have many bright and shiny avenues of creation. I make a lot of content. For DC and Batman-flavored things, look to Dark Knight News. I review multiple titles a month. Both Catwoman and Suicide Squad are in excellent spots right now, and I cannot wait for my next fix to report back to you fine listeners but as for my one true love pc and tabletop gaming look to our pride and joy fantasticuniverses.com for my regular news and opinion pieces on gacha gaming card gaming pc gaming and tabletop role-playing gaming but for that specifically look to the apotheosis studios blog where i write modules monsters items and more for your dungeons and dragons games to level up your ttrpg experience and look to Rune Terra ccg where I provide hard-hitting news and the latest decks for the League of Legends card game. Follow me on Twitter at IsItTinkerer, and for your viewing pleasure, look to twitch.tv forward slash IsItTinkerer for my card gaming streams, The Hostile Atmosphere on YouTube for my PC Let's Plays, and No Ordinary Heroes on YouTube for my Dungeons & Dragons Let's Plays with some very dear friends.
0: Read, watch and listen. You will not be sorry. As for myself, you can catch me just by typing Steve J. Ray or Fantastic Universes into your search engine of choice for my written work and that'll take you to DC Comics News, Dark Knight News, Fantastic Universes and CBR. And uh, to listen to us, obviously there's this great show and the original DC Comics News podcast, Mad Love the Harley Quinn cast and the Spinner rack on the DC Comics News podcast network. You can catch all of those on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever else you find good shows. Talk to me on Twitter at at E L underscore S-T-E-E-V-O. And you can catch Dark Knight News and DC Comics news all across the internet and all across social media. But until you do, there's one thing you really need to do a lot, and that is to...
1: Read more comics. And watch more Batman. Thank you for listening. Bye now.